0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening. Tonight I've been tasked with to talk to you about attitude. Uh, the video really doesn't have a lot to do about with that. I just thought it would be a fun way to start. A fun way to waste a little bit of my time, but No. Just a filler. No, actually, it, anybody ever feel like that? Like you're kind of running on a treadmill and everything's going wrong? And then just at the moment, you're going to kind of give up, and then it gets worse? <laughs> well, uh, like Pastor said, I'm, my name's Neil Donna. A little bit nervous. I haven't done this in a while. Last time I really spoke to a, a group of people like this in, in a message, uh, everybody was Chinese. And um, so you know, I could I could say things wrong in English and they didn't really know and it was okay and I could kind of make up for it. So uh, bear with me a little bit. Um, I say that just so that you'll sympathize with me a little bit. I'm, uh, I think this is going to be good though. But, um, um, you know, last week Pastor, Pastor Dave had a great message, um, didn't he? I'm going to try to tie in a few things to what he said last week because it was... It kind of touched my heart. One thing that he said last week is that this church has the look of heaven. And I really appreciated that, because living in Beijing, I got to attend the International Christian Fellowship. And uh, we had people from every continent and about 70 different nations represented in every denomination, and it really was a wonderful look of what heaven's going to be like. So look around at the people next to you, in front of you, behind you, to your right and to your left, because as followers of Christ, we're going to spend eternity together. So get to know each other. <laughs> but I just really appreciated that, because real life looks like that as well. It is a wonderful glimpse of heaven with people from different backgrounds. But attitude is the thing that I've been tasked to speak to you about tonight. I was talking with Pastor Ken a few weeks ago, and I had mentioned that uh, since, returning, well, since returning from China, I've, I've had a bit of a culture shock re-entry Time I've been back for about three and a half years, and I spent 16 years in Beijing. And I've um, uh, just had a had a real struggle with kind of getting back into it, and my attitude wasn't the best for a lot of times. And still kind of have to work with that. And but I'd mentioned to him that that there was something that 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 God had been leading me to do that had had um, kind of helped to change my attitude. And then a little bit later, he contacted me. He said, "I think you ought to talk about that." And I said, "Well, okay." I'm still working through this. So it's not like I'm, I've arrived and I'm telling you how to, how to, how to do it, it's, it, I'm working through this uh, on attitude. But I wanna give you just a little bit of background of, of myself. Um, uh, before Tree Life started, um, I was a normal little kid. Uh, I was born and raised here in New Bronfels. I, um, uh, my, my father was a principal at Carl Schurz Elementary and my mom was a, was a school nurse at New Braunfels High School. Um, I had an older brother and uh, just had a wonderful life. I was a normal little hyper kid. Um, I mean, I laughed boisterously and loudly. I ran around. I, I, I just was a was a hyperactive little mischievous kid that uh, if you look at my pictures from when I was a kid, you can see that I kind of had that little look on my face like I was going to do something. And um, just always getting my brother in trouble. Um, in fact, my, my mom said one time when I was... I don't know how old I was. My brother just went up to her and said, Can I just hit him once, please? <laughs> she said, No, you're too big. You'll hurt him. And so, But I got to hit him all I wanted to. So that was me. I was a little kid. And, um, I, you know, I had a wonderful attitude at that point in time. I, I just, you know, life was great. Life was easy. Mom and dad loved God and, and loved us. And, and my brother was, you know, he was, he was kind of my hero. Um, 1980, uh, my brother was in a car accident and died and life changed and um, got very, very um, sad and my attitude started to change. Things happened where people would promise things and well-intentioned people would promise to do things and and as promises were not fulfilled, I developed a worse and worse attitude. Has anything ever happened where somebody promised to do something or somebody did something to you or somebody or something happened and, 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 and it didn't work out and it kind of caused you to have a bad attitude, that was me. And so in my teen years, I, um, I, I really had a lousy attitude most of the time. I was very much a people pleaser though. I always wanted the adults, I always wanted my friends and everybody to, to like me, so I, I always did things, I kind of um, had a nice facade. Smiled all the time, was very accommodating. Always got my school work done, you know I played sports, I was in the band on the outside, everything looked great, but inside, I had a lousy attitude and um, I, um, I I really began to, to distrust people as a result of things and and in fact, I remember later on and, and, and many years later I was telling my dad that at that time you know my, my attitude was people were idiots because it just they don't do what they say they're going to do. They don't follow through. They don't. They don't. You know, they promise things and then don't do it. And and I was just really hurt. And this attitude really kind of created a cloud in my heart and cloud in my life. And um, remarkably, though, um, I grew closer to God during that time. Um, and I think. And I, just as a side note, I think there's a couple of, couple of factors that, that played into that uh, of me not rejecting God. I was rejecting people big time, but I, I wouldn't let anybody close. But I never rejected God, and I think in large part it's because my mom and dad were solid in their faith. I can remember Sunday mornings, we'd be getting up to get ready to go to church, and we were at a denominational church at the time, this was before Tree of Life, and they'd always have uh, Oral Roberts on, Sunday morning, or they'd have Rex Humbard on, or, or Fred Price. And, and I loved watching those, all three of them, I just loved watching them. Fred Price was my favorite, because he always made things funny and interesting. Um, but I remember I gave my life, I, I gave my heart to Christ as a nine-year-old watching Rex Humbard one morning. He gave the altar call, and I was sitting in the living room, and I, that's when I accepted Jesus at nine. And so... Um, you know, I, I, was, I was blessed by having that and by having the word just kind of spoke, spoken to me. I didn't, always under, I didn't understand it all, but I would just say as, as, as moms and dads, you know, make sure that you've got the word in your house. Don't just have it here at church, but have it in your house, in your home. Like Pastor Don was saying on Sunday, you know, we, we talk about the things that, he was talking about the things that we watch and the things that we hear and, and we think that we can filter things out. But on the flip side of that, having God's word spoken in your home, either through music or through uh, uh, words, it, it, can, it can have a, a great lasting effect. And I think that that's really one of the major factors that brought me through the worst time in my life um, because I was really rejecting everybody. The only people I trusted were my mom and dad. And I trusted them with everything, but I didn't trust anybody else. I had a real hard time because of just some of the circumstances. And at 12 years old, you don't really understand the promises that people make. And, and so, you know, I, I understand that there's things that they were going through now, but at the time I didn't. I was just focused on myself and my own hurt. So... Um, that deep-seated bad attitude, though, really got set in place in me. And it kind of carried through for many years, throughout middle school, throughout high school, into college. Um, and people would often say, well, let me, let me say another little side note. Another thing that was, was a, a saving grace for me was Tree of Life Church. It started about a year after my brother died. And my parents had been looking for a church and um, started going to this Bible study and this Bible study eventually became Tree of Life Church when the Duncans came. And hearing, you know, Pastor, Pastor Don Senior, hearing his messages and Pastor Karen's messages and, and having that word poured into me, even though I didn't really fully understand it as a teenager and I was doing my own goofy things and, and I won't tell stories about myself and Don because he can tell stories about me and I'm not going to do that. And he gets the podium a lot more than I do, so... We're not gonna go there, but we didn't always listen. And, um, but the word was there. And because of that, I know that 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 was part of what what saved me, what helped me to not reject God. Was was what I saw in the home, God's word, having a good support of the church, those things saved me during those times. But I really was pushing people away. At one point in time, I, I, I was kind of proud of the fact nobody knew me, nobody knew who I was, nobody knew what was inside. You know, the best way to keep a secret is to not tell anybody. I had, I'd never talked talk to anybody about anything. But you get isolated and you begin to see things in a very warped way. God also had dropped a couple of scriptures in my heart during that time in Joshua. That's the first scripture on your notes there. I'll try to get through these notes, but I'm not sure if I'm going to get through them. I'm not really used to doing this, but I, I'm, I'm doing it just because it's, it's the thing that we do, but Ken's, Pastor Ken's going to give me a steak dinner for doing this, so um. <laughs> oh that wasn't the condition if I get through it now. But, um, but Joshua 1, 9 was the scripture that God gave me. That Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And in verse 5 of Joshua 1, it says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God was talking to Joshua. Moses had just died. And he was talking to Joshua and encouraging him because he was now taking up the mantle of leadership. And I'm sure he was pretty nervous about that and maybe felt in, in, inadequate. Well, those, that, those scriptures right there kind of helped as well to pull me through that terrible time in my life. And so I turned to God more and more, um, but turned away from people. So, but the bad attitude was there. Um... Let me just find where I am. So uh, that first point there, and I, I'll get to Isaiah here in a minute, but that first point there, attitude changes the way we look at things. And it, it completely did change the way that I looked at things. People would, people would say, and I would hear this in the church often, have an attitude of gratitude. Now, I understand the importance of having gratitude, being grateful. It's a it's a healing thing. I was reading a study by a professor from the University of Minnesota was was talking about how gratitude, an increase as, as you as you um, as you are grateful for things, it increases joy in your life. Joy doesn't increase gratitude, but gratitude increases joy, and this is a study that they that, that a psychologist uh, at, from the University of Minnesota had done, and, um, but that that phrase irritated me because I had a bad attitude. So he would say, well, you, need, you just need to have an attitude of gratitude. And they'd say it with that Texas accent. You just need to have an attitude of gratitude, son. Okay. <laughs> just leave me alone. I like my attitude. It's my attitude. Don't make me change my attitude. But again, I, I had a facade. I wouldn't show it. Nobody would know it. Hey, that rhymes. Because um, my attitude was people are idiots, they lie. They can't be trusted. Um, And you might say I became a little bit cynical, and that's true. Um, I became kind of the king of sarcasm. People would also say, your attitude will determine your altitude. That was a phrase that I'd I'd hear inside and outside the church. Your attitude will determine your altitude, how high you can go. Well, I was pretty successful in school, I was one of the top twenty in my class. I was on the basketball team. I was—I played in the band. I was the leader of the percussion section. I played drums for the church. On the outward, I was very successful. On the inside, I was a mess. I was—people thought I was really shy. It wasn't that I was really shy. I just didn't trust anybody. I was voted quietest in my class in Brothels High School in 1987. And it wasn't because I was really shy. I was kind of shy, a little bit, just that normal thing, but it wasn't paralyzing. I just didn't trust anybody. I had a bad attitude about people. And like I say, I quietly became the king of sarcasm. People would say, you better straighten out your attitude. Your attitude stinks. Well, with an attitude like that, you're not gonna get very far. And all of these kinds of statements just really made my attitude worse. Uh, I would often think if you only knew Because I wasn't open about it, I wasn't openly rebellious. I was a passive-aggressive about it. I smiled and did everything that I was asked. I excelled in academics. I was well liked, respected by friends and adults. Uh, And you know, it just didn't seem like my attitude affected those kind of things. But um, I kind of had a bad attitude about my attitude and that 's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. I, I could go on and on and on, but i 'm not going to because that clock is just keep, keeps ticking down and so i 'm not going to do that. but the next thing there is attitude um, it changes the way we look at things an attitude creates a pair of eyeglasses through which we see the world, and that that, that pair of eyeglasses a good attitude it can it can create a great perspective through which we see the world, but a bad attitude can create a a perspective where you skew everything. You know, a seemingly innocuous statement, a glance, or a gesture can take on incredibly diverse meanings based on the attitude of the one who's receiving it. And a bad attitude can also, it taints the heart. And and the things, the, it, it taints everything that you think, everything that you say, everything that you hear. I, and I, I'm saying this from... My own personal experience. Others' actions are looked on with suspicion. Why are they doing that? Why would they say that? I don't, I don't. They say that I'm good at that, but I don't really fully believe that, they're, that they mean that. They say that they love me, but I don't know. I'm not really sure. It taints everything. It makes it to where the best intentions can come across as abrasive. And then the person with a bad attitude, the things that I would say would come across sometimes as harsh, even though I was trying to be loving. The most loving comments that I would try to make, they would come across as harsh, or rude, or insensitive, or even condemning. And inadvertently, uh, unintentionally, I might say something hurtful to somebody, just coming out of my own hurt. A deep-seated attitude, bad attitude, leads to cynicism. you think about this, a bad attitude is not a lone ranger. It's, It's got a diabolical, I just thought about this, but it's got a diabolical drinking buddy. And his name is guilt. That bad attitude comes along with guilt. You feel bad about yourself, about that bad attitude, about having that, about having those thoughts, about not trusting in all of that. And guilt brings along a companion called condemnation and guilt and condemnation couple with that that bad attitude and you just kind of spiral downward and internally i was just kind of spiraling downward Uh, um they came along you know guilt and condemnation came along for the ride and they they caused me to not be able to hear the truth of god's word fortunately there was already enough of god's word in me that i was able to combat those things the attitude poisons us, the guilt and condemnation cause us to not seek help. We isolate ourselves, we pull ourselves away. Anybody can relate to this, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever ever been there? I was there for decades. Now that's Satan's goal. His goal is to isolate us, to kill us, to destroy us. John 10:10. 10, 10. Thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He wants us to have a full life. Satan wants to kill us. And he will use circumstances of life to tarnish our attitude. When our minds are clouded clouded with a bad attitude, guilt, and condemnation, we can't hear. We can't hear the things that Pastor Dave was talking about last Wednesday. He was talking about how Jesus is the cornerstone and how we are the bricks in that wall. We're important, we're vital, we're beautiful. We can't hear those things. That that attitude, that guilt, that condemnation just shuts it down. We might hear the words, but we don't believe it about ourselves. We might believe it about somebody else, but not about ourselves. We we can't hear that we are important, we are beautiful, we're valuable, we're useful, we're needed, and we're vital. How do we change that attitude? How do we get out of that? I just turned the page over, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Key to, uh, it says the key to changing attitudes. I mean, we always say keys and things. These are just some things that I've found. First of all, that we accept the fact that we can't do it ourselves, that we need the help of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we need the assistance of the Holy Spirit, and that we can't do it in our own strength. We have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. We have to have Jesus come alongside and pull us out of that thing. I had a student in China who, um, I'm going to try to get through this story real quickly because. That clock keeps going. I had a student in China. Can we stop it? No. I had a student. For the third time I had a student in China who became a good friend. And he taught me a lot about China, Chinese culture. Um, And and I taught him a lot about the Bible and, and we exchanged ideas. He taught me also a lot about Confucianism, which is kind of the basis of Chinese culture. And um, Confucius was a, a, a philosopher. He wasn't a Christian by any means. Um, he had some good truth, but not all truth. And one of the, one of the things that he taught me about that was the, the concept of honor and face. And in China, honor and face are paramount. They are, they are of the utmost importance to, to any individual. That we give honor to each other and that we are honored. Otherwise, we lose face we would say equate losing face with being embarrassed. And he said that his mother was very, very well respected as somebody who was able to maintain her face. And by maintaining her face, it means, meant that you didn't show extreme emotion, anger, uh, sadness, happiness. You, you just kind of kept this stoic, you might smile a little bit, but you, you kept this stoicism about you. And you were considered to be a good Chinese person. If you, if you could maintain your face. And his mo- mother was, was a, a high-ranking official in, in his home province, and a government official, and, and she, um, she was well-known in her town and in that province for, for being able to maintain her face, even when she was extraordinarily angry. And so on the outward, outward appearance, she seemed to be able to have her emotions in control all the time. But he said when she came home, she beat him and beat his dad. She released it all on them. There had to be a release. There have been, there, there, there have been studies done, and, and I don't have time to go into all the different studies that, that have been done on the, the effect of a positive attitude, negative attitude, and on holding in your emotions. It starts to do physical damage to you. To you. It does mental damage, but it also does physical damage to your body. And not just ulcers, but I mean heart issues, diabetes, all kinds of things can be linked to holding your emotions in and not dealing with them. Um, and so we have to have a release in some, of some way. And so she would release it on him. And I know that's a, just a little, one little anecdote. We might say, well, the anecdotal evidence, we can't really use that. But I think that's, that's symptomatic or it's, 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 it shows, it's, it's similar to experiences that we all go through. We all try to hold things in as much as we can. Then we have blow ups. We try to do it in our own strength, and on ourselves, by ourselves. We just can't do it. We're not made that way. God made us to rely on him. We need him to help us to come out of these things, to lift us up. It's not a matter of us pulling ourselves out. It's a matter of us allowing him to lift us up, out. Something that he began to show me, that God began to show me about this was um, an attitude, bad attitudes, well attitudes can be based on things that are temporary or eternal. Our attitudes. And we can change our attitude, our attitude is changeable and can be temporary, is that blank. Um and, and, and what I mean by that is, is the things that we think about can help to determine our attitude. If we think about temporary things, we can have one attitude. If we think about eternal things, we can have another attitude. If you look at Solomon, in, in Ecclesiastes, I, I, I just wrote down a few scriptures here from Ecclesiastes. Um, just kind of, I just kind of ran through the book. There's 12 chapters and. In chapter one, verse one, he says, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Chapter one, verse three, what do people gain from all their labors? He's talking about work at which they toil under the sun. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, chasing after the wind. Talks about wisdom. Look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much wisdom and knowledge Then I apply, well, I'll skip that. In verse 18, he says, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Pleasure, I denied myself. This is chapter two, verse 10. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Wealth. He had the most wealth of anybody. Possibly the most the wealthiest, most powerful person in, maybe in the history of the world. He had everything that you could possibly want physically. And he's saying here in, in Ecclesiastes, it's all meaningless. I could go on and on and on, but it gets kind of depressing <laughs> to read all of that. Um, there's a phrase in there that he kept, keeps saying over and over and over, everything under the sun. And by that, it indicates that he's looking at things on the earth, temporary things, the work, the money, the pleasure, all of those things, temporary things. He's focusing on temporary things, things that will fly away, things that will leave, things that won't last. You know, our life is, is, is but a vapor, the Bible says. If I was to show time on a, on a timeline, if I was to draw a timeline, that timeline would go on to your right there forever that way, and to your left forever that way. And what point on that line would represent our life here on Earth? It would just be a little scratch. And in light of eternity, you'd probably have to get a microscope to look to see how much our, our, our physical life makes up that eternal time. So in a matter of time, this life is just here and gone. And so looking at temporary things that are not going to last, it can't be depressing. I get up every day and I go to work. It's just the same routine every day. Get up. Get the kids up. Fight with them. Every day it's the same routine. It can get depressing. We can develop a bad attitude because we're just looking at temporary things. What are people doing to me? What are all these people that are going to pass away someday? Some I hope sooner than others. No, I'm just kidding. No. I, did I say that? I'm sorry. Did I say that? Okay. Um, that's my Urkel impression. Um, sorry. This is on live stream, isn't it? Oh, my mom and dad, you're proud, aren't you? But <laughs> lost my train of thought, and that clock keeps going. But um, I really did lose my train of thought. Life is but a vapor, and so. Looking at all of those those things is what, what what these temporary people are doing to me. I get my focus on that, and that's where Satan wants their focus to be, is on temporary things. He doesn't want us to look up, he doesn't want us to look at the eternal. But by contrast, let's look at what Jesus did. Or, or actually let me look at Paul first. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Verse 25, he says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Key word I want you to, 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 to hear is prisoners. He's in prison. He's in shackles, he's in chains. He didn't have his freedom. He's, got a, he's in a pretty bad situation. He has the potential to have a pretty bad attitude. He's got a pretty good reason to have a bad attitude. He's in prison. And he's in prison because of not because he stole something or killed somebody. He, he's really there unjustly, but he's, he's looking to something eternal. He's looking to the greatness of God. He and Silas are singing and praying to God. In Second Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 11, verses 22 through 33, Paul goes through this whole litany of things that he has been through in his ministry. He's, he's kind of defending his ministry against uh, others who were, were criticizing him. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the, Jewish, the Jews, from the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea and it goes on and on and on and on. How did he maintain a good attitude? Philippians chapter one, verse 12, verses 12 through 26, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He was looking to eternal things. He was maintaining his attitude because he was looking to eternal things. He wasn't focused just on his temporary circumstance, which was horrible. For time, I'm going to move on. But what did Jesus do? We know that Jesus went through some some horrible trials and tribulations. We're going to be taking up communion tonight, and I wanted to look uh, just quickly at, at at Isaiah chapter 53. And, and in in kind of preparation for communion, but. Um, Isaiah chapter 53, he said, uh, um, sorry, I wrote this in my notes. And verse, verse three through 10 says that he was, de- this is a description of, of the Messiah. This was written before Jesus lived. It was, it's a description of, of what the Messiah would go through. And Jesus had to know that he was going to go through this because he knew the scriptures he knew he was going to go through a horrible death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he cried out to God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Indicating it's not something he really wanted to do because of the horror that he was going to go through. But his attitude was on us. It was, it was, it was eternal. It was on our eternal salvation. That was where his attitude was. It was on eternal things, and he said, not my will, though. Yours be done. And he knew he was going to go through this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. He faced that, that horrible tearing apart of relationship. He was rejected by his disciples, denied in his presence. It wasn't just behind his back, it was to his face. They denied him. They ran away from him. a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering like one from whom men hide their faces he was treated like like he like he had some kind of horrible disease or or he was an out like he was an outcast we esteemed him not surely he took up our infirmities he carried our sorrows yet we considered him stricken by god smitten by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions and he crushed our and was crushed for our iniquities he was crushed he was beaten he was beaten beyond recognition. He didn't even look like a man when they finished whipping him and beating him. They, they shoved the crown of thorns on his head. And when we take communion, we, we, we take that in remembrance of what he did for us, the pain that he went through, the suffering. It says, this is my body. It's broken for you. This is my blood, which was poured out for you. This is what he's talking about. It wasn't an easy thing. He could have had a bad attitude about it. He had the right to have a bad attitude about it. But he, he looked at eternal things. So in, 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 in order to uh, kind of, one, to get my steak dinner and to get through my notes, no. Let me just say, you know, attitude if you look at, at, at Roman numeral seven there, we talked about Solomon, Roman numeral eight, we talked about Jesus, Roman numeral nine, some, some steps for a better attitude. Focus on eternal things, not temporal things. As I focused on eternal things, my attitude changed. And, and continues to change. Like I say, coming back from China was not the easiest thing in the world for me to do. And it was, it, I've struggled with my attitude over these last three and a half years, just being here. Has nothing to do with any, any of you. I don't think you're idiots. I'm, I'm past that. That was when I was a teenager. This has had to do with cultural adjustments and other things. Okay. Let her be there. Meditate on eternal truths. And, and there's some themes in Ephesians. I'm not talking specifically about Ephesians, from Ephesians tonight, but there's some themes from Ephesians that also help us to lift our eyes up to God. And that is, the first is, is focusing on the greatness of God. That's what Paul and Silas were doing in prison. They were focusing on the greatness of God. Number two, focus on the union with Christ, our union with Christ, what Christ came and did so that we could be unified with him, so that we could have a relationship with our Father God. It's an amazing message in, in the book of Ephesians. And then the third thing is prayer. It's the third major theme of the book of Ephesians is prayer. About half the book either talks about prayer reports or Wait, uh, methods to pray. I mean, it's, it's just a book of prayer. And, and that's what Paul and Silas were doing in the prison. They were praying. So those, are, those are, are some of the themes that we can look at. There's a lot more that I could say, but that countdown clock is almost at zero. I made it through my notes. Thank you. I'd like to read something, a quote that I read uh, from a commentator about this, this theme in, in Ephesians of union with Christ. Because I think it's, it, it, it meant a lot to me. This is from a, a gentleman by the name of Klein Snodgrass in the NIV application commentary. He said, all the privileges of life are found in union with Christ and conveyed by the Spirit. Ephesians presents a gospel of union with Christ more powerfully than any other New Testament letter. Nothing short of attachment to him will rescue us from the human plight. Nothing short of attachment to him will rescue us from the human plight. And nothing can define us as human beings more than attachment to him. From living with him, we learn how to live for him. And that is the key to getting out of those bad attitudes is is Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.